0: Welcome to the weekly message from Raymer Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at raymer.org.au forward slash media. We'll just do a two-week series here. So it's on grace and mercy, and we're going to look at our text scripture, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 It says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. So the first thing that we want to look at with that, you notice that the word therefore is underlined. And so when I first got saved, the first church I went to, which is a long time ago, that pastor said, anytime you find a therefore, find out what it's there for. So... (laughs) That's been around for a long time, that saying. You've probably heard it before. So there's a therefore. So what, you know, we want to see, well, what, what, what is it there for? And all of us can approach the throne of grace. That's what it says. But why can we all approach the throne of grace? Why is that possible? And we can find out by reading verse 15. So verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest who is unable to fill for us in our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in every respect just just as we are tempted and yet did not sin. So the reason that we can all go to the throne of grace is because Jesus came in the flesh. Okay, that's what that tells us. He left heaven. He came down and took on the form of flesh like we are. And then he lived among us the main thing we have to know is he became like us that's what that scripture is telling us he became like us so he's able to fill for us in weaknesses that's what that scripture says that jesus now i i know uh i've done this before and i'm sure if you were honest you'd say you've done this before but you've had a situation that wasn't pretty and you said i bet no one's ever gone through this and it's like you are going through something and you feel like no one else has ever gone through this and it's like tougher and harder And you have to deal with this no one can relate to you and I'm sure we've probably all done that No one can relate to me. Well, here's the good news That according to that scripture it says right there that he as a, our high priest he can relate to our weaknesses because it says later on that he was tempted in every respect just as we are tempted. So even if there's nobody on the earth that can relate to something you're going through, Jesus can. And that's the good news. So based upon that, that's what it's saying. Now based upon the fact that he was there, he was tempted like we are tempted, he fills every weakness that we would fill. Based upon that, that's where we see then in verse 16 where it says, therefore. Because of that, Therefore. Because Jesus was a man and Jesus was flesh, therefore. Because Jesus was tempted and Jesus feels weakness, therefore. And that's what it's there for. Okay? It was great to be here. See you next week. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so that, that answers that first question, all right? So, you know, just this question, like, if what what is the difference between Jesus and us? Okay? If there's one thing, he became flesh. So is there a difference? Well, he came down, and he's called the second Adam. We know the first Adam did not have sin, but he made wrong decisions, and then he sinned. Adam and Eve sinned, and then we know sin came into the world. So then Jesus is called the second Adam. If we would say, what's the big difference between Jesus and us? The big difference is Jesus went through everything that we would go through, all the weaknesses, you know, and any temptation, but he did not fold. He did not give in. He, uh, you know, he made it through without sinning. He did not yield to it, okay? So that's the big difference between Jesus and us. It was necessary for him to do that in order for him to be our redeemer. That's why he qualified to redeem us. He didn't mess up, okay? Now, I think it's important for all of us to know, and, and I think the f- some of you have been around in Christianity for a long time, but it's really important to note that there will never be a perfect christian and there will never be a perfect church by the way also you know and and, uh you know we just all need to give each other a little grace and mercy okay but there will never be a perfect christian if you have that kind of idealistic thought that you're going to be perfect someday You'll probably always be frustrated. Maybe you've been frustrated, but you always will be frustrated because there's only one, and that's Jesus, that did not give in. He, ne- he did not fall. He did not yield to that, and he's the only one. That's why he could redeem us, okay? So we want to just take a look now, and we want to break down Hebrews chapter 4 now that we know what the therefore was there for, and let's break this down. That's why we can go to him And receive what the Bible says so let's first of all look at it again. So Hebrews 4 verse 16 It says therefore let us so we're going to go through this and break it down a little bit So you notice there that it says let us Okay, so let us why is that big well because it's inclusive it includes instead of excludes Uh, in the Old Testament and I know if you study you know that not everybody to go into the tabernacle and get near the presence of God. So when this is talking to the Hebrews, this is like radical for them, and it's breaking protocol. When it says, let us, they're probably thinking us, like there could only be the high priest that went in, in, into the tabernacle and get n- near God. Now you're saying, let us go to the throne? That's really breaking protocol, and it's really radical. But the first thing we want to notice there. He's telling that to the Hebrews, but it's for us too that we can all do this. All right? We can all do it. Now, uh, look at the next thing here, Hebrews 4 and verse 16. It says, let us come. All right? Why um, Why is that big? Well, here's the thing. God, a lot of times we think, we're waiting for God to come to us. Like you're in a situation, you've got something going on, and you're waiting for God to come, and you, you might even say, well, where are you, God? Like, man, you see what I'm going through? Don't you, don't you know what I'm going through? Like, show up. I mean, we've all done that. I mean, I don't know if you're as rowdy as I am, but I've done it. I haven't done it once I got the revelation. I stopped doing it. But the only thing that can stop you, the only thing that can fix attitudes and stop different you know wrong conduct and attitudes and wrong words is you got to get a revelation so once you get a revelation then you don't do that so but i i would you know think we all would do things until we know so it says let us come so really what that's saying is that like you might be in a situation and you're thinking show up god and he already said when that was written a long time ago he said you come that's big because you can sit and wait forever. But once you know that he says, you know, like, you come, all right, now we have an answer there. So we're not going to say, well, where are you? Do something, come. Sh- you know, come and, you know, comfort me. He's saying, you come up, and you can get some comfort. You know, you can get things if you come up, okay? And then look at, uh, look at it again, go back to Hebrews 4 and verse 16. It says, therefore, let us come boldly. So you notice the next thing, uh, it says, you come and then you come boldly so this boldly that means that you would come without fear that's it's coming without fear now i mentioned before jesus did what he did only the high priest could get into the presence of god and so that, that that's a radical thing that everybody could come but there was a great fear back then because uh The high priest you know it says sanctify yourself and do this and then you know you're going to go in to the presence of God so there was preparation that was involved if somebody went in that wasn't a high priest they would fall over dead when they got near God's presence and now it's telling the Hebrews hey you can go up to the throne and it's safe it's like do it boldly you can go up there without any fear okay so I, I know that I grew up denominational and uh we would go to a confessional and we would tell our sins to a man and So for most of my it was finally. I don't know how old I was when I decided to tell everything Because I did quite a bit of lying in the confessional I Don't know if anybody else can relate to that So I told what I thought were the little ones so I said oh, I, I lied to my mother Talk back to my mother. See, my father was always working, so I couldn't do that with him. So I lied to my mother. Talked back to my mother. I called my brother's names. Didn't say what names. <laughs> that was watered down. And then it got to where I thought, well, I'm going to break, I'm going to actually tell him some of the big, and I actually broke through. I don't know at what age I broke through, but I start telling him some of the big sins. But, you know, it was a fear. You don't want to tell anybody that kind of stuff. Okay? But here's the thing. He says to go boldly, God isn't afraid of what you do wrong. Okay? So he says, go boldly, and when you go boldly, that means you go without fear, and no matter what you've done, he can handle it. Because Jesus... He understands that he he felt those weaknesses, and he knows what that's he knows what it's all about. So it's kind of like you know the opposite uh, of what we would think. And I, and I did a series the first month of our church. I did a series uh, on the prodigal son, and uh, it was four or six weeks. Robin remembers it, and in that series very good memory in that do you remember this in that series you know back back in that time it was an insult in that culture for an older man to run and so when the prodigal son decided to come back home to the father and the father knew he was coming the father ran to him which is breaking protocol again it's not normal I think the reason Jesus told that story and and he made sure that he said in that that the father ran because it was a radical thing to break protocol and what he wanted to communicate we're coming into the age of grace the new covenant and and it's a gracious covenant and that father ran to the son. So what is that saying? He says come boldly most of the time when people mess up, they want to run away from God, but actually what God is saying, when you mess up, I want you to boldly run to me. That's what he's saying there. Run to him. So that that makes Christianity attainable for everybody. And, And I really believe if Christianity becomes unattainable, very few people will participate in it. Now, just so there's no misunderstanding, I'm not saying that everyone should cast off restraint. And uh, the Bible doesn't talk about casting off restraint. The Bible even says, shall we sin that grace may abound? And it says, God forgive. We're, we're not going to sin because grace abounds, but, but because of grace that we can actually dominate sin instead of sin dominating us. So grace is given so we can dominate sin, and sin doesn't dominate us. But if you think, uh, if you think you're, again, no one's going to ever be perfect. And that's why he says you need to go to the throne and you need to get grace, okay? So let's look at the next thing here. Uh, It says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Okay, so this is a different kind of a throne. You've probably seen those movies where, uh, where a king, you know, in the king's court, if somebody wanted to have an audience with the king, there was a protocol and how they went into the king's court. And so, you know, if they went in the wrong way, the king had that like a, a sepulcher, and if he went like that, it means you got, they're going to get killed. They're going to get executed because they went into the court. They, got, they were going into the presence of the king the wrong way. That's not a gracious throne. It's not a very gracious throne. This, is the, this throne, it's called, it's called the throne of grace. So it says now, you go up to the throne of grace boldly. Another reason we can go there boldly, because it's a throne of grace. All right, so grace, throne of grace, well, we know the simplest definition for grace is unmerited favor. So we could say it's a throne of unmerited favor. In other words, it's a throne where you can get things that you don't deserve, you didn't earn. So when it talks about going up to that throne, it's going up to a throne to get some things that you didn't work for or earn they're free so somebody once said grace might be free but it's not cheap what does that mean even though it's free for us god paid a great price to get it for us his son had to die to get that for us it's expensive but it just happens to be free for us okay so he says now you can go up to that throne of grace And you can get, it's a throne of unmerited favor. Another definition expounding on grace more, we could say grace is God's ability that comes upon us and equips or enables us, empowers us to do what we could not do without it. So we could say we can go up to the throne of God's ability, God's empowerment. Go up there boldly because we need that empowerment to do Christianity, to live the Christian life. Okay, so that's that's where it says to go that's the throne we're talking about it's, we're in the New Testament now and it's it's the age of grace so there's a throne of grace for this age of grace Okay, let's look at the next thing Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 it says therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace so what do we get there well, it says we can receive mercy and we can find grace when we go there. And we're gonna, that's what this series is about. We're going to look at mercy and we're going to look at grace. This week we're going to look at grace. Next week we're going to look at mercy. Okay, so there's two things that we get receive. There are mercy and grace. Okay, so let me ask the question then. Could it be possible because of this scripture and the emphasis put on here, Could it be possible that understanding how to get mercy and grace have a lot to do with fruitful and victorious Christian living? And I would think, yes. You know, the word grace is in the New Testament about 150 times. So, you know, we say, well, that's anointed, but actually the word anointing is only in the New Testament five or six times or somewhere like that, even though we use the word anointed because it was in the Old Testament a lot. But we could actually say, you could say, well, that person's anointed. Well, actually, in the New Testament, you could say that person is graced. That person, it's the same thing graced or anointed. So it's a big thing. Grace is, is a big thing in the New Testament, and it's very profitable to understand mercy and grace in this covenant, okay? Now, let's look at one last thing as we break this down, and then we'll move on to some other things. So, Hebrews 4, again, verse 16. It says we find grace to help, and look at this, in our times of need. Notice that it's plural, okay? Times of need. And here's another thing about God God has a lot of time, and God has a lot of patience. So God doesn't get mad if we go up there too often. He doesn't run out of patience if we go up there too often okay he's got time for us and i said this in the early service i want to say it again because uh, this was brought to my attention you know i love daughters are wonderful and sometimes daughters can help you but my daughters told me they said you know when you talk to people a lot of times at church you're always looking around you know, and I have to say I apologize for that because, you know, as the pastor, you're looking to see who's here and who's there, and sometimes when you're talking to the person, you're not looking them in the eyes. If I'd done that to, to any of you, I apologize for that. I don't mean to do it, and I try, and I really want to look at people in the eye and know that everyone that I want to give time to each person. So uh, that's, that's my heart. But sometimes you're like looking here and you're looking there and you're seeing if this is going on and that's going on. You know, God's not that way. God can actually listen to everybody all at the same time and he doesn't get distracted by anything. God can look at everybody directly in the eyes all the time and be focused on you all the time. So he says you can go up there all the time, anytime, and he'll focus on you and he'll give you attention. That's what God is saying. Okay? He's awesome. So let's just look into this now let's we want to talk about this the difference between mercy and grace okay so it's not as uh deep as you might think this has been around for a long time as a matter of fact so the difference between mercy and grace is this uh you can put that up there mercy is not getting what you do deserve grace is getting what you don't deserve so i'm going to say that a few times mercy is not getting what you do deserve if i got what i deserved and some of you got what you deserved, we would probably be dead right now <laughs> we wouldn't be here if we got what we deserved okay and then grace is getting what you don't deserve it's things that you don't earn god gives it to them. grace is free and it's getting those things that you don't deserve so that's You know, generally the difference. Now, when we look into mercy next week, we can maybe do a little more contrasting, but we're going to look at grace this week, okay? So let's start and do that right now. So go back to uh, Hebrews 4 and verse 16, and then it says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy. And notice this, it says, find grace to help in our time of need. So we want to talk about finding grace today, and when we talk about it, we're going to look at some of the different kinds of graces there are, because there's different graces. So we're going to look at some graces today and look at how to get those kind of graces. All right. And uh, I was thinking about this because Patsy and myself sometimes, uh, and, and I'm sure you guys can all relate, everyone's probably felt this way with your work before but what, you know, with, with your work sometimes do, doing what you do and it seems like there's all this stuff on you, you know, like a lot of stuff, you know, you're dealing with a lot of stuff and it can just make you feel like suffocating and you just think, can I really do this? That's the time to go there. And I know that we made a practice of going there. And so after 30-something years, uh, I'm alive. We're both alive. She's been in it longer than me. She grew up in a pastor's home, but we're, we're alive, and, but we're also well. But you just know that, you, you know, instead of walking away, instead of giving up, you go up and get grace. Yeah. That's, that's a game changer. Maybe. Grace is a game changer. And so you can be happy. You can be fruitful because of grace. Okay? So, Let's talk about this now the different kinds of grace. So the first one is saving grace. All right, so saving grace that's It's the power of God that saves us. Of course, it forgives our sins and makes us new creatures in Christ If you're with us today, and you're not in this category, we're going to pray later on and you'll have an opportunity to get some saving grace saving grace the scripture says it's it's by grace you have been saved and so i I like to say it this way and you guys know i say this quite often christianity is the only religion that you don't have to work for anything and that's again that's why i like that scripture says joy unspeakable and full of glory because wow you know there's a lot of different People say there's a lot of different ways to get salvation and and to get to God. It's not true. There's only one way. The Bible says Jesus is the only way. And it just so happens in Christianity, Jesus did all the work. It's the only thing like that. Okay, I think you guys should be a little more happy about that. Maybe, okay, Um, if you're not happy about it, let's see, what can I come up with? can somebody get a toothbrush and scrub the concrete please because we want to make sure you're going to heaven so like scrub it you know just joking okay but you know to to come up with a bunch of things to do to get saved it's saving grace it's unearned you know it's not earned and so, uh, so that's mostly everybody sitting in this room you already have that kind of grace so if we ask the question do you need to go find that grace the answer is not if you're already saved you already have it So, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that one. Okay. Let's look at another one. Let's look at sanctifying grace. Okay. Now, sanctifying grace, it's the power of God that purifies us and enables us to live holy lives. Okay. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, it says, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and And redemption so you notice there the word holiness is there the new living translation said he made us pure and Holy and then even in the in the epistles when they use the word saint if you look up the word saint it means holy one Okay, so if you're a christian, you're a holy one. He makes us pure and holy Uh, That's something that was given to us and imparted to us so if we Ask ourselves this question, though, do we need to go find this grace? Because it says go up there boldly to find grace. So what about this grace? Here's the answer to that question. This grace has already been imparted to us. You are called a saint, okay? But here's the thing. You can also acknowledge this grace, and actually by acknowledging it, it empowers you to actually, it it, it empowers you to be different. So here's how I do it every morning and when i say every morning now i was just a little side journey a little humor here we had our impact conference and up until that time i was everything was going great with my daily scripture readings and prayer and then our impact conference was so impacting that i got thrown off my schedule and wasn't able to read my bible and pray like i usually do and i was telling Patsy that was really impacting but you know it's funny because we're all I think in that category we all get like on a schedule and then you put a little thing in there and it throws your schedule off then you got to you know put your flesh under to get back on your schedule again and then right after that we had Mark and Trinicum. come but I'm, I'm going to get back on my schedule you know and and, uh, and do it soon but so but previously this year I start praying the way that I start praying this year somewhere in December and what I was doing Uh, What I do on a daily basis is I take 1st Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, which we looked at and that says That he's been made unto us wisdom Sanctification Redemption and righteousness or righteousness and redemption. So I actually use that as a prayer guide for me So when I start praying I first of all say father. I thank you so much that Jesus is my wisdom Thank you for liberal amounts of wisdom Because I surely, we both surely, we all surely need liberal amounts of wisdom to operate and be fruitful in what we do. So thank you. And the Bible says in James, when you ask for wisdom, to not doubt, but to receive it by faith. So I'm not gonna doubt. I thank you, Lord, for liberal amounts of wisdom. So that's the first thing. Then I move on to the next thing, sanctification. So here's the way that I pray that. I say, Father, I thank you that you have sanctified me. You made me holy i am pure and holy and i thank you that i am that and i and then here's the the thing i acknowledge and i also thank you that you have empowered me to behave that way to act that way and so what i do is i acknowledge it so that's in a sense you could say it's going up to the throne throne room i'm acknowledging that sanctifying grace and i'm saying that and so you could say this way you know maybe you you know just say like a husband and wife just get into a, a big brawl and an argument that was you know wrong Okay, so what do you do? Do you run away from god? Do you think ah? I, I just can't live the christian life. I've been trying i'm just Frustrated, you know, that's what we could do and that's what I used to I, I actually did that as a matter of fact um when I first got saved um, but once you get a revelation you won't do that because you know that The best thing to do is run to him and not run away from him and not get frustrated So the more we remind ourselves, the more we say that I am sanctified I am holy. I am pure He, He made me that and I acknowledge that he's also empowered me to be that and live that you start doing that and guess what? It might not happen the next day, but it starts making a difference Okay, and so that's what we can all do and that's how we can get that grace okay all right then uh let's look at another grace look at this victorious living grace okay so this one it's the power of god that enables us to live victoriously by reigning over the circumstances of life okay here's the scripture romans it says for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one much more of those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So notice there that it talks about reigning in life. So it's actually it's God's will for Christians to reign in life. That means instead of life reigning over us, God wants us to reign over life. That's his will. So we could say that this kind of grace, it's it's victorious living grace, it empowers us to be overcomers. There is actually a grace God gives and it empowers us to be overcomers. We could say it's an impartation of God's power or might to help us be overcomers, all right? So how do we find this grace? How do we find this grace? Because it says, go up to the throne boldly and get this grace. So I was thinking the most recent Big thing that happened in my life was back in September Or early October whenever it was when I went into the hospital So if you're a guest with us today, you might not know all the details But I w- I did some stupid stuff and put myself in the hospital and almost killed myself because of it and, uh, and And so with that that was actually if I would say what is the biggest nightmare that I could ever face in life It was being in a hospital so, any, anybody that's in the medical profession, that's probably, I want you to know this is not personal. It, it, it was a fear thing, and it's nothing personal against a medical person. But, like, like for myself, and I think if you are all honest, that everybody's sitting in this room, you probably have a fear that needs dealt with. You know, if there's somebody in here that's dealt with every fear in your life, you know, I, I might want to meet you. <laughs> you know, But the thing that I had to deal with, it's like, and and like we've, I've flown all over the world into so many countries, even went into East Germany uh, when it was uh, just, when communism just ended, but they they didn't act like it just ended. Just all going, you know, all over the world, lived on four continents, you know, signed leases on buildings that cost a lot of money, stand up in front of people, minister, do all that kind of stuff, but to go to the doctor, that was like, no, You know, and so I I just wouldn't go to a doctor. So that put me into the hospital. And so the doctor, you know, my GP here, he's a Dutch guy from South Africa, and he grew up as a Christian. So he told me his father said this. He said his father said whatever you avoid in life, you'll meet it somewhere down the road, and you'll still have to face it. That was the gist of his thing. And he said, you know, you avoided. You were afraid to come to me, but now I'm right in your face, basically what he's saying. So that, that to me, you know, I found myself having to get a procedure done on my body. So the worst thing, like up until now, I just turned 60 years old, I was never, I never spent a night in the hospital until back in October, whenever that was. I was never in the hospital except to go visit people. So there I am, I had to go check in, we had Margaret Court do our graduation in November, and then we took her to lunch, and then I had to go check into the hospital that afternoon later. So I went to check in, and I actually then became friends with this Indian. He was an, uh, in my, my male Indian nurse, and he and I got to be friends and joke around, and so the next time I went for a follow-up appointment, I made sure I went up to see him and, and, and just joke around a little bit with him again. But he took my blood pressure when I went in there, and... And that's before we became friends and joked around, and he said, get into bed, don't move, your blood pressure's too high, it's dangerous, I'm gonna go get the doctor, you know. And, uh, and I said, yeah. Uh, so when he went to get the doctor, <laughs> I thought, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna run out of, I'm just gonna escape, I'm getting out. <laughs> I thought, they can't make me do this, if I don't wanna do this, I don't have to do this, and I'm gonna leave. But then I thought of my Dutch doctor, Friend and he, th- and, you know, the South African Dutch guy said, you go avoid that, you're going to have to run into it in the future. And I thought, you know, I've I, I, I got to face this. I mean, I have to face this. And I can't run away from this. It was like I got cornered in, and I had to face the fear. Okay, so um, I made it through that night, but I did, I did not bring God into it that night. I did deep breaths, you know. <gasps> You take those deep breaths and you just hope your body calms down I was just doing the natural deep breath thing and I was able to calm down enough and And the doctors you know what the doctors that came to see me He said it's not a good idea when this is going on to give medication for blood pressure because it fights and it might not Be good so calm down so he didn't he didn't give me any medication or anything like that So I made it through the night but then I woke up the next morning. They wake you up early to get you ready to go in to get an operation. So they woke me up early, and then my as soon as I woke up, my mind started to work again. And I thought, first thing I thought is I got to get out of here. But then I thought, if I get out of here, I'm gonna come, probably have to come back someday again. So I thought, okay. So then finally, like really finally, you would think the guy that I teach this in Bible school, I got 15 hours on faith and and I got 30 hours on healing that I teach and all this other stuff, and you would think I would, like, do what I teach. But finally, I thought, I'm going to do what the Bible says. <laughs> so if you think I can't relate to you, I can. You may be more spiritual than me in, in some areas. So I finally thought, I'm going to do what the Bible says. So the first thing I did is I spoke to fear. So, we're talking about grace, and I I commanded fear to get off my body, to get off me. And the Bible even talks about sudden fear. You know, there's a scripture that talks, because actually, it was a sudden fear that came on me. And I, I, I recognize it because, you know, knowledge sometimes is good and bad. So, I never had a problem with doing blood pressure until I I was, we lived in Singapore, and I, there was a Singaporean Christian doctor I became friends with, and so he told me all the bad things that can happen to you if your blood pressure's high, and I never knew that before, because I I just, that was one thing I never studied, but once I had the knowledge, and every time I went to get my blood pressure after that, I had all that knowledge, and then I got nervous, and my blood pressure went up. And I could, here's the thing, I could feel my body. As soon as I start, I walked through the door, my body felt different. I could feel it. It was there. It was a sudden fear. The Bible talks about sudden fear. It was a sudden fear that came on me. You know, some people have it when they walk into dark rooms. There's some people, they're still afraid of the dark. I never had that. You know, there's all kind of fears. I, I, I didn't have some of the fears that other people have but I know fear is real cuz I dealt with a different kind of fear. It's real. So I commanded that fear to leave first of all. And guess what? You know what I found out? When you use the name of Jesus in command, it actually there was an immediate change. There was an immediate change. And then and then I commanded my I start speaking to my body and I start commanding my body to be peaceful and be restful. And so you know just to make a long story short i just settled down in my bed and they you know rolled me there to the theater and i was by that time all settled down and i was just at peace because i used the word so we're talking about you know how do we find this kind of grace this victorious living grace and here's the best way that i can explain it based on what i just told you you go to the throne room of god boldly but you take his precious you know (laughs) precious promises you take the precious promises of God with you in your mouth and your heart. You go to the throne like that and you use the precious promises of God with your mouth and your heart. And that's what I did. And I got that grace. And that victorious living grace made a difference in my life. That works for everything. Okay? Okay, another grace is giving and receiving grace. Giving and receiving grace. And that, that, it's the power of God to meet our needs and motivate us to be givers, okay? Here's scripture, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, by the way, this little side, did you ever like drink coffee so hot that it burns the top of your mouth and then you like kind of have skin hanging down? I really want to get that skin out of there, but I'm, I'm sorry that I keep going like, like, like that. But I, I figure I probably shouldn't get rid of the skin in front of all of you. But just being honest. <laughs> um, okay, then 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. <laughs> Coffee was really good, though. Okay. So, it's, it says, and, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Okay, so what we see here, we're talking about this giving and receiving grace. It's the power of God to meet our needs and motivate us to be givers. So, like, I, I know that that's real because... Before I got saved if somebody like was around me and you know, we kind of grew up with attitudes I guess So if somebody says hey, I I don't have money to buy a pair of shoes, you know, that's your problem I don't care why you're telling me, you know, that's kind of that can be an attitude You know the way that we are then like you get saved And then I start going to a church and if somebody came up to me this this is a real story They came up to me and said I don't have money to buy shoes, you know, and that, that was back in the days They were I don't know 40 I gave 40 or 60 dollars. I don't remember I just said how much are they and whatever they said I just said here go buy some shoes because when I got saved I had a good job and and I had Finances, so I just start doing that, you know, and uh, I Never wanted to do that before what what happened to me that made me such a giver And it's actually this you know when we get saved It's like there's an impartation that happens and uh, you see that you see that here in the the bible talks about all grace abounding toward us so what happens is god changes us on the inside and he makes us desire to give but then when we give he gives the promise that he'll make all grace abound to us and he'll give back to us and it's this wonderful cycle but it's a giving and receiving grace that never existed until we get saved you know and it's amazing and and so you you just want to give okay so sharing grace or giving grace keeps us from lack and selfishness because i was selfish before i got saved um you know we we've even talked you know how we can all be even as christians we can be selfish and so we got married later in life and really when we had our i was old when we had our first child i was old enough to be a grandfather and but instead i'm a father you know and uh And and, but we said this, you know, it's kind of probably good because we got a lot of that selfishness out You know because like when you're younger you the older you get the less I think automatically You just get less selfish at least maybe you should and so we were in one way glad (laughs) We were glad that we had our children later And that we were able to invest more into our children because we weren't so into ourselves you know, but but you know the cool thing about god is when you get saved he just puts that in you supernaturally he makes you a giver it's just a supernatural thing and you desire to give when you get saved so this scripture um here uh well let's look at this next is serving grace this is the last one we'll look at today so serving grace it's the power of god to serve him and others with his imparted gifts and abilities Okay, so God actually empowers us to serve him and others with his imparted gifts and abilities So when you get saved, uh, you know, God will put gifts and talents He'll impart those supernaturally into us But then with that too, he gives us a desire to want to serve not so he we get this desire to be a giver But we also have a desire to serve and that's what happens when we get saved so even with that we might be serving him but it's actually we're serving a person as we serve him. And so even with Patsy and myself really for most of our for a lot of my Christian life I've been serving Kenneth Hagan Ministries and the Hagans. But they're not here. So somebody could come here and they say, "Well, you're the senior pastor of this church. You know, you're the head guy." And I would think, "Well, actually, I might be the senior pastor here, but I'm under authority." And so everything I'm doing here, I'm serving a vision. That vision was given to Brother Hagen, and I'm still serving that vision. And you know, and I serve somebody else, even though I'm serving. And so then you can break that down. And in the local church, you know, not everybody that serves here. I, I'm not everyone's supervisor. If I was everyone's supervisor, we'd have a big mess going on. But we we put an org chart together. We made teams, and so by doing it that way, we have we have a bunch of people involved and we can get the job done, and we're, we can put an infrastructure down so we can keep growing, so even when pe- uh, we have baby Christians that are saved, we can help them better, and that's, that's part of it. So there might be some people here, and they say, well, I like you, Pastor Tony, and I want to serve you, but where they're working at, they're not. I don't have direct, so they're actually serving God. God put it in their heart to serve. They're serving here, but I'm not their supervisor, and see, it works that way. So that's what the Scripture's telling us, okay? So I, I remember um, with this, too, this serving grace, we talk about how to get it, um, and you guys probably heard the story, but I try to pull out a different area of this. When we got married, before we got married, I was uh, in a singing group, and now that you all have met Pastor Hagen, uh, and we were serving him and his father in this singing group, and I actually was the manager of that group, and then after we got married... Uh, they recommended that I get out of the group because we'd go on the road three to five weeks at a time And they said you need to be with your wife. So they said get out of the group So I I you know, I was obedient in that way I got out of the singing group and and they said we're going to put you in a different area in the ministry So the area that they put me in was first the mail room and then eventually I was in the warehouse So in the mail room, you know after doing it one week uh after one week the next week i told patsy i said i, I did an attitude i said who do the Hagens think they are putting me in that mailroom? room i'm not going to do it and i went i went the next day and i put my resignation in now you guys all how many here were here when pastor hagen was here so you kind of get the who he is so you know when i said who do the Hagens think that was like at home in private it wasn't like to his face and I really don't know anybody that's ever done that to his face, but that was all in private, like the big tough guy, who does the Hagens think they are? So I put my resignation in, you know, because I was offended and all that, and uh, so I woke up, the day that I put it in, that same night, I woke up in the middle of the night out of bed, and, and Patsy, I woke her up, and she goes, what's wrong? And I said, I'm missing it, I shouldn't have put my resignation in, and she knew that already, you know, so then I went back, and I withdrew my resignation the next day, but here's, Here's the part that I want to say. Now, Patsy made a statement to me that that thing has stayed with me for all these years. It's been like a game changer in my life. And she basically said, she said, you don't don't like what you're doing, right? But why don't you ask God for grace to do that? That was like new for me. It's like I I just wanted to run away from it, but ask God for grace? It's like that means to stay and keep doing it? Like, brr. You know, that's what I thought. <laughs> but I actually listened. And I, I went to God, and I said, Lord, please give me grace to do this. And you know something? He really did. Now, it didn't happen like the, you know how it is sometimes you pray, and then it seems like the next day it's right back there again, like I didn't feel any different. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? And, but I did that for a couple weeks I don't know two three four weeks I kept asking God for grace every day that I went there and the amazing thing is I didn't have to do it any longer because there was a grace that came on me to do that and I actually was able to do it happy and then two years later I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said now it's time for you to go into a traveling ministry but I had to go put my resignation in and I didn't want to I was so comfortable there and satisfied and happy that I didn't I couldn't put my resignation and so this lady it's a one a, friend of both of ours Her name is Kathy Creek. She used to be one of Patsy's prayer partners The Lord used her and she walked up to me and she rebuked me About not stepping out and it was time to step out You know she goes why don't you want I said well m- one reason I don't want to step out is money You know like I'm thinking it's like a step of faith and you go out there and you got to believe God for money but she actually rebuked me. It was in the Holy Ghost. And then it, it helped me to go put my resignation in to go to the next thing. But my point is, I asked God for grace, and it was so real and tangible that I could do that with a good attitude. And I did it for a couple years. And I finished my assignment. I mean, sometimes people think, well, those that's not a very spiritual assignment. The Hagans wanted me to reorganize their warehouse, which was a big warehouse. And I never even knew I was an organizer. And for some reason, they said, organize it. I asked God for grace, and I actually finished my assignment. I reorganized their entire warehouse. That was before computers. It was like before computers were on the scene for that kind of stuff. So I had to come up with a system. I put a big whiteboard on the and I drew up all the, the, the you know, there was aisles. They were moving aisles. They were like electric things. You could move the aisles and move them all around, you know, so they could get, Fit more books in that way and they were like up and you had to use a a lift, you know So I had to run the lift. I had to take every pallet off Look at every book, you know count all the boxes and books And come up with a system where they could find any book and they knew how many books were there And then when they sold some they subtracted it and they knew when to order books I came up with all that, you know, and it was without computers Now they have it all on computer, but they they used that for a number of years. That was like an assignment now, it's interesting, to some people think, is that really spiritual? That was my assignment, and I finished it, and God gave me grace to finish it. And, it was, and so I know how real it is. But here's, here's what we want to end up on today. Maybe where you work, maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you say bad things about your job. Here's what I learned. As long as I was complaining about that, it was miserable, it, and it was going to get more miserable. I, I mean, I put my resignation in I found out like you can either do two things you can frustrate the grace or you can cooperate with the grace and I Had to go up and find that grace and I went up and asked God for that grace But it was how I talked about it as soon as I decided I'm gonna cooperate with the grace. I said Lord Give me grace to do this and he did I washed my mouth after that because you know We have the tendency and I I mean I like I said, I grew up rough And I'm sure some of you grew up that ways so when I used to work in the world it was like man I don't even want to tell you all the words I said about my job. I hated it. And the guys that I work with, they just said, why don't you curse God and die? Because I was so negative where I worked. And all I ever talked about is I hate, I hate, I hate this place, I hate working here, you know, and all that. But I, I wasn't saved. But here's the thing, if you talk like that about your work and about what you do, you're just frustrating everything and grace and all that. But if you ask God for grace and then talk in line with it, you'll find out that you'll actually start liking what you do. Maybe it's not your dream job. Maybe it's not where you want to be. But enjoy your journey. Like, why not enjoy the journey? If, if you're waiting on a dream job, why not enjoy the journey? Ask God for grace and trust Him. And another thing my wife told me that I thought was very good too, you know, she, every so often she comes up with a good one. No, I'm just kidding. Just joking. <laughs> but uh, but she, here's what she told me. She said, whatever attitude you leave here with, you take that to the next place. And so she said, and, I've, and I've, I've lived that now for many years, she said, you get yourself right because when God moves you on, you don't wanna take that attitude to the next place. So I'm talking about, about that happened about 26 years ago that she told me that, but it stayed with me for, because I think, hey, if you leave one place with a bad attitude and you got a lot of baggage, you just take that to the next place. Why not fix it so when you leave, you take good stuff with you? Cause if, and the Lord put me into a traveling minister. Could you, could you see us going to all the churches and telling everybody, the Hagans put me in the mail room and I don't know who they thought they didn't honor me. And, they, you know, and just telling all the pastors, that's just spreading all this bad news um, to all these pastors and it's hurting God's overall plan. You know, so by me getting right, when I went to churches, I, I, di- I didn't say any of that to them because most of them were trained by the Hagans too you you see what I'm saying so I took, I fixed that and I took good things with me, okay Father I thank you for everyone that's here today Lord, we just thank you for your goodness Lord, I I trust you Father that that things that were said today Father uh, that they're helpful uh, that they'll help people be fruitful and victorious uh, that everyone will know how to get fine grace Father to help them in times of need Father that uh, We'll be a fruitful, loving, compassionate group of Christians uh, serving you, Lord. Thank you for that. I just want to have everyone, if you could please close your eyes today. I'm going to have us say a few things. If you're with us today, we talked about saving grace. We're going to say a prayer here in a couple minutes. And it's a simple prayer, but the Bible says if you believe that Jesus is Lord and you confess that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. We're going to pray that prayer together today, and you're going to have an opportunity to pray that prayer. It'll be for you if, you, if Jesus isn't your Lord, that'll be the most important thing you've done up until now in your life. It, it isn't your job, it isn't getting married, it isn't buying a house, but the most important thing that anybody in the world can do is accept Jesus as their Lord because it secures your future. And so today is a day that the Bible says, "Today is the day of salvation." Harden not your heart. If you recognize today that Jesus Christ died for you, shed His blood for you, He became sin for you, went to hell for you, He was raised from the dead for you, and by you accepting His free gift and all the work that He did, you can come in to the kingdom today. We're going to help you with that. You can pray this prayer with us, okay? So I'm going to ask if everyone close their eyes, and I'm going to ask if you're in that category where Jesus isn't your Lord, this is your opportunity. This is a life changer. This, is, this guarantees that you will spend eternity in heaven and you'll miss hell. This guarantees that you come into a kingdom, that it's the, king, the creator of the universe's kingdom. This guarantees you that. So I'm going to have the whole congregation, if you'll pray this with me, if you're with us today and you're in this category, I encourage you to pray this from your heart. Say this with your mouth, but believe it in your heart. Okay, so let's do this together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love me, you gave your son for me. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. Thank you for that. I accept the free gift. I acknowledge there's only one way to you, Father, and Jesus is the way. Jesus, I declare your Lord, and I believe God raised you from the dead. You're welcome in my life thank you for dying for me thank you for loving me now if you prayed that prayer today listen really good we have a ministry team i invite you as we dismiss today and we have our ministry team up here please come up and let them know that you prayed that prayer it's really important it's we want to help you further we want to help you get established in your christian walk okay So you're invited to do that. Now, for the rest of the congregation, I'd like to just say this, if you you could close your eyes one more time, and, and if you'll say this with me. Father, thank you for all the graces. You're the God of all grace. I thank you for every grace. Today, I examine myself, my attitudes, my words, my beliefs, I examine myself. And Father I just thank you that I am cleansed of any wrong words any wrong attitudes I receive cleansing for those things and I thank you for grace I choose to mix faith with your grace. I am graced to work. I'm graced to labor. I am graced to find my place in the kingdom. I am anointed in grace to do business. I have liberal amounts of wisdom. I choose to cooperate with your grace. And I will run my race, and I'll finish my race by his grace. Amen. listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story that you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church@raymond.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website raymond.org.au.